You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. We are two Texas licensed attorneys and we talk about a variety of legal topics. And um, and uh, <laughs> we talk about a variety of legal topics. And today we're going to talk about uh, trial preparation. Trial preparation. Okay. And um, just things that you need to know. Um, some, uh, a public service announcement. I think that it's two, two public services announcements that are important. Number one, the Woodlands Ice Rink is open. Oh, okay. Waiting for that. Yeah. I have all year long. I know you have. And it's open right now. Um, all While the kids are out of school, it's open all afternoon. And um, I just think that that's, even though it's warm outside today. It is warm. We were talking about it. It was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Tony. Can you explain to me, have you been to the new ice rink? I have. Is it a year-round thing? No, it was weird because, you know, if you had been to their ice rinks before, which I know you're an avid ice skater, so I'm sure, <laughs> like me, you're, like, waited with bated breath when it opened. Before, it was a temporary Yeah, uh, no, rink. I remember that. No, I, I played ice hockey. Okay, and good, good, I was good. always, what was it, the aerodrome, which is, like, far away in Sugar yes, Land. Yes, right. well, spring, if you spring. really could go off of Luetta, that one, too. But, um, but yeah, in fact, the guy that put the, the temporary rinks in was a guy I grew up with, and he started doing that and made a fortune. He puts them in Europe and Germany and all these other oh, places. Oh, really? Yeah, and... Um, he was going to open one off of 1488. We were looking at buying some property off 1488 going together. We didn't do it. But to answer your question, um, they made – we were so excited. We thought it was going to be a, a permanent yeah. year-round rink in the no. Woodlands. Right. Like they used to have – way before you were born, they had one – the Woodlands ice rink was over. In, it looked like a little – it was like an ice cube over in the Woodlands. They closed it down. I still don't know where it's at because I always skated at the gallery during those periods. But um, it is a, uh, a multi-faceted complex – building and so they only open it for the ice rink between november uh, like 16th and january 20th every year and the rest of the time it's used for something else so it's a building that it's permanently used for the ice rink okay but um, I was thinking it was going to be all year long or at least half year. But well, that's no. what they made it sound like. I, I know because like, I I remember calling them and going, "Hey, do y'all do y'all uh, sharpen skates there?" Yeah, and they's like, "No, we don't do that." And I no, was they like, don't really do anything. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, so why was this advertised as a ice skating rink?" Mm-hmm. If you, when it really is that. Well, my friend that wanted to open rink, he said he'd open one in San Antonio, and it was, it just was making, it was so busy that they they were busting at the seams with kids learning to skate and our next Olympians a whole bit, and he said that it was hard to make a profit even with that much activity and being managed well because um, it's so hot in Texas that it really has to be something you have to do like a labor of love and not to make a, mo- a lot of money off of it. So it was he, he was going to do it down here. So we have so many little kids down here in the woodlands that could do it. But he still just didn't have the energy after having opened a rink before and all that stuff. So, Well, know. I mean, San Antonio, never mind. We'll talk about this later. Okay. But, but I will say this. It, it's open right now. And um, it's open uh, between... Three and nine when school's not in session, but when school's out, it's open all the time. So I'm getting ready to go now, right after the show, mm-hmm. and go skate around. In fact, I'm going to take you with me. No, I'm going to teach you your axles. <laughs> yeah, get, you know, one can die before knowing how to do an axle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, Dick. Knowing how to do an axle and actually doing one are two different things. It's so easy. I could probably know how to do it before I actually accomplished it. Before I, I, I got I, it. mechanically, I'll tell you, I'll show you how to do it on okay. the ground, and then we'll go out there and do it together. Okay. Okay. Now. Um, the second, preparation. the second public service announcement is yes. um, the Woodlands Bar Association offers a volunteer attorney off, a volunteer attorneys offer pro bono services the first Mondays on a law line. And I'm going to be calling mm-hmm. <laughs> the first Monday of every month between 5 and 8 p.m. Um, you uh, local volunteer attorneys answer the phones at 281 645 Six three four four on the first Monday of every month between five and eight, and they answer legal questions. Provide and that the, the resources are provided by the um, Montgomery County United Way. So they give them the phones and and the volunteer. Okay, uh, that's great. Kind of like us, except you actually get a live question answered. And I wouldn't mind calling, even though you know you would think an attorney wouldn't ask another attorney questions because 
there's a lot of different angles to approach cases completely like we'll talk about today mm-hmm. and um you know, you, they may have been in a trial with the same kind of case you had before, the same people. And and that was one of the things we're going to go over today is if, if you're a pro se or if you're just a new attorney or an attorney that's new to the area, I think it's a good idea. And I've done this a lot to go watch a trial absolutely at the, with the attorney and the court that you're going to do your trial in because you don't all courts are a little different with the way they behave. Some are a lot more formal. Some are a little bit more loose. Some are a little... They just do things differently. And so you want to go watch. And if you don't watch that court, at least go watch the type of case. I remember before I started doing DWIs, I would go literally, although I didn't have the time to do it, I would go watch full-blown DWI trials. And it's not like you can just walk into a court right. uh, a court, and there's going to be a DWI trial going on. Right. You have to kind of be following it or watching or mm-hmm. asking. Now, Harris County's got a million different trials going all the time in the criminal court, so it's not hard to just kind of poke in there. Well, if they went them. in, if, if one of our listeners went into Harris County, I mean, that's a big courthouse. Yeah. How would they find out? Could they go ask? Uh, well, I mean, the way I've done it, because I'm just there, it's I literally, you could, there's 20 floors mm-hmm. starting, I believe, at the at the Maybe it's the seventh floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be the eighth. They have four I courts per floor. You go. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't remember. They have um, uh, attorney offices and different rooms on the seventh. But they may uh-huh. have changed it since they redid it since right. Harvey. But um, you can go up and down and just kind of poke your head in. And that's in the criminal court building. The civil courthouse is the same way. You can go in there, just kind of poke your head in and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's unless it's uh, like one of these uh, trials that's really you got a lot of publicity. Um, that they won't let you in because it's already like seating room only. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pretty much just walk in, and as long as you're respectful and you're dressed right and you mm-hmm. kind of sit in the back and don't make a lot of noise, you don't want to chew gum, you don't want to make a lot of racket, you want to take your turn your cell phone off. Just go in there, and I take notes, particularly if it's a really good attorney doing the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and those are the ones I'll, I'll look into. I'll find out when they're going to start. And even that's kind of a hit or miss because you don't know if it's going to get continued. I mean, trials are. You just don't know unless it's preferentially said, and even then it might not go forward. But if you luck into yeah. um, lining the whole thing up, you get there in time and you're ready to watch and you have a day to watch. If, if you're pro se or if you're a new attorney or just want to see what's going on or how this particular uh, court, um, their procedures are, go in and do it. It's invaluable. There's usually stuff going on constantly. You can watch the objections. If you get there at the very beginning, you can watch what we're going to talk about today, the trial procedure. Mm-hmm. So, um, But that being said... Um, it's really difficult to have that much time to watch a full trial. Trials usually last a few That's days. That's my problem. I'd yeah. love to do it, but I mean, just having the time to do that is... And then you can't watch the whole thing, Jenny. You've got a life, and you have to call back in or follow it. And um, I know we've talked about this before, but you actually, um, the public can get access to the district clerk sites, Harris County, Montgomery County, Waller County, JP Courts, and you can go in and look at the result. You can actually follow the case, which is what I've told lots of people I've helped before. If you're if you're uh, new to law, there's not, you know, there's no internship required for law, and you just are th- throwing yourself out there, maybe in a new aspect of law, a different type of law, then you want to um, look, you want to go look at a case that's won and look at the pleadings and kind of follow how they did it. And it's logical, it won't be exact, but the same thing applies to the U.S. Supreme Court, which is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going in and I'm looking at cases that have won, because I've got a couple mm-hmm. of cases in the U.S. Supreme Court, and um, I'm actually going to go, if I don't get the archives I want from Austin, and the Tarleton Library in Austin has federal court um, archives, and then up in Fort Worth there's also federal archives, and depending on the year is where you go. It is a vast amount of information, and it is so interesting. You're seeing the actual transcripts from real trials. I mean, you could find the one from like the Lindbergh trial and you can actually read what they actually said, the whole thing. It's just fascinating. And the public can go in there, but they do a little bit of a vetting to make sure you're not going to go in there and destroy it. Like in the federal court, you have to wear gloves. You can't, in the federal archives, you can't touch the files. Uh, but they let you in there by yourself to look at them, which is kind of crazy. So you you can't, you're wearing gloves. You uh-huh. can't touch them? Yeah, you can touch them with gloves. But you okay. can't touch them because you can't touch them with your fingerprints yeah. or whatever. But they let you copy them yourself, if that's not weird. That so you can weird. touch them, but you can copy them. Yeah. Uh, but then with the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, um, now I haven't been up there in Washington, D.C., and I can't wait to go because it's self-service. I mean, I'm so excited because I love, I love Washington, D.C. anyway. I think mm-hmm. it's just an amazing place to go mm-hmm. just to visit with mm-hmm. cherry blossom time would be the best but so beautiful. there's going to be fewer people during the winter season yes and uh, La- jim and i went uh, two years ago and the um it was completely frozen over all of the um that reflection pond mm-hmm. what is the uh, washington memorial the memorial and we
we reenacted um, that Forrest Gump. Thing. Oh gosh, I saw that. But we did you it on the ice. That. It was too you sent that. fun. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have to do it in the water. We did it on the ice. But um, okay, so uh, trial preparation. So um, if you have any questions and you do catch, so the first of the month for the Woodlands Bar Association is going to be, um, I believe the next one is going to be December seventh. So the because we're missing it. So the first day of the month, the, the first Monday. I'm not sure which that is, but it's going to be December, uh, like, 6th or 7th. It isn't, like, the first day. Mm-hmm. And then there's also other resources in Texas, like Lone Star Legal Aid. But usually when you start getting to the other resources, um, you have to be indigent or very poor. Well, and, Tony, I have clients who try to go use Lone Star Legal Aid, and they don't can't even get them to answer the phone. It's almost unfair because the people that are indigent know how to work the system, and they are they, they know to how to prove that they're indigent when they're really not. Yeah. They're the people that don't pay their rent and get into the rent houses and know how to skirt being evicted and they've been evicted a million times and that mm-hmm. kind of thing um it may not be just that there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of money but you have to fill out an application and see if you qualify and a lot of times you don't qualify because you're just like food stamps or anything else you're just above that the poverty the level mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're paying their bills and they're working really hard they just don't have the money to pay 750 dollars an hour to an attorney exactly and i will say this there's something that i was reading about called limited scope representation and a lot a lot of attorneys do it and and i do it sort of i didn't even know that was what it was called but it's when somebody asks for your help and you can enter a written agreement with that client our clients can do this with an attorney which you are what you're looking at it and um you you limit the scope to can you uh, look up a, can you give me two hours of legal help or whatever your fee is on this particular area. Are you, can you help me prepare a uh, the petition for a divorce and then walk me through it? But that's all you have to do, and you make sure that you've got that in writing because anything. Well, of, you oh, just did that. I did just do that. Did you I, have it in writing? I didn't have it in writing because I just didn't have time. Usually, I'm just helping people, and I didn't charge anything either. So that was sort of you know I was just being helpful. But um, hmm. if you do that too much, you can't live. You can't survive. Right. So you really I should have a form that says I'm going to help you with preparing your family law petition, which I did just do that. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll send somebody a, um, a blank format and then I'll tell them and I'll have them send it back to me so I can review it before they file it. And I'll tell them how to file it, how to get started. And you're almost teaching them how to be like a mini lawyer, but only for that one case. And, um, it does, it's, it's time consuming. Um, I know a lot of people have been through divorces before and they can do this because they've been through it. Right. Um, they have at the, I believe the Montgomery County Law Library. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have a, a reference librarian. Across the street from the courthouse on Thompson, North Thompson. And you, you can Google the clerk site or you can go across the street to the reference um, lawyer that's mm-hmm. available in Montgomery County. The, yeah. And they're very helpful. And it's not. They the, are. It's not. Um, the end all it, it's it, I want to say they're they're probably very good I should go over there and ask myself some questions <laughs> like run over in the middle of a trial what do we they're do? great um, but if you do there you can ask for attorneys to do that too and a lot of them don't do it but a lot of them do and uh, sometimes you can have limited scope representation like I recently did where you're getting ready to go to trial and you need representation yes and I did that because um, it was going to be so difficult on a complex case to be pro se um, that I just needed somebody for what their fee was to come in and be able to ask me the questions. And so I didn't have to ask the questions to myself. I just didn't want to do that. I didn't feel comfortable. And I'm, uh, I can't say that I've ever been in trial where I've represented myself on that level. But um, but th- you can do it on different levels. So whether it just be for the trial itself, because you're just at that point, I'm over my head. I don't know the procedure. I don't want to do this. Well, and it's very common. A lot of attorneys do trials for other attorney groups. Uh-huh. They they commission them or bring them in right. at the very last. Well, I mean, they plan on it for a right. while. It's right. not the very last minute, right. but that's what they do. Now, I will say this, though. Um, trial preparation doesn't start the day of trial. Trial preparation starts the day that pleading is filed. Trial preparation starts when you have a dispute because mm-hmm. you don't know if you're going to go to trial or not. You might want to settle it before you even hit that. Exactly. You might want to do a deposition um, prior to filing. It's dep- um, what is it called? Deposition pre-suit. It's a civil rule mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. rules of civil procedure 202. Mm-hmm. You have to ask the court so you can actually get a court order so that they're required to be there. But um, you may not even know if you have a claim, and so you want to depose them first. And I've tr- almost done that a couple of times, and I did do it at a law firm I used to work at. But it's not a very common thing because usually 
you know if you're going to go, if you're going to go to trial or not. But um, what I did was I printed out a, um, for Montgomery County, a uh, one of our standard docket control orders. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they have them in Harris County. I just don't remember in civil they, court. They do. I don't remember seeing them like this, but they they generate a docket control order almost immediately yes. um, in Montgomery County. And so you're going to get one of these right after a police file. Before everyone's served, you're going to get a docket control order. And these docket control orders, and I don't know where our, where's our here, camera. Me, I think there's yeah. one here. Right here. Can you see that? So this is a docket control order, and it's a schedule yes. of everything that's going to happen. Yes, and it gives you, um, you kind of work backwards because it tells you on the last page the date of your trial and your mm-hmm. pretrial. But it, it, then you work backwards and use those numbers to put in your calendar the things that you have to do. And I'm telling you what, if you miss those deadlines, you are dead in the water. If you don't get your expert designated in time, you don't have an expert. You can put in your disclosures like they allow you in Harris County. They let you slide by because that was pretty standard you could just disclose your expert you know say what they're going to talk about put the uh do all the put the resumes in and that kind of thing but in montgomery county if you don't actually designate your expert under the rules uh 193.6 actually it's experts are not listed in compliance with 193.6 you're in trouble so i'll just read this because it's such an important rule uh a, a expert witness designation a list shall be filed which includes each expert's name, address, telephone number, and the subject of the testimony and the opinions that will be proffered by each expert. Your attorney's fees, if you're an attorney representing somebody, you've got to designate yourself as an expert. But if you don't have an expert in many cases, you cannot win your case. I know. Why? Because you need somebody that's not biased, that's that has a background in that field, to say, this is standard. And without an expert, the jury doesn't get to hear what is standard. They just get to hear two people arguing with each other. And then the other side's objecting that you can't bring up something that's that's law. So you've got to get your expert in. And um, particularly when land cases, um, in banking cases, in medical cases. In fact, in medical cases, if you don't file your expert opinion 30 days before a date certain, you will lose the case. You, you, the case is automatically dismissed if you don't have that actual mm-hmm. expert opinion mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So it's really critical in medical. Now, ex- Okay, wait, Tony. We're, okay. We need to take a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, you can start at the top of that rule okay. and tell us about getting our experts in. So okay. uh, the legal connection, Tony and Cheryl, we are talking about uh, trial preparation and we'll be back in a few minutes statistics show that one out of every six texans struggles with food insecurity and hunger and many people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables every day the better living for texans program is here to help you learn how to make healthy menu choices save money at the grocery store prepare quick and delicious meals get more good nutrition in your day and get more physical activity. Classes are fun, friendly, interactive, and free, and taught in English and Spanish. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio, broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Path to the Plate is a research-based education program that helps consumers understand how their food choices impact their health, by making the connection to agriculture, learning about how food is grown and produced, and how consumers can make better food choices for themselves and their families, Path to the Plate is all about dispelling myths and misconceptions. Find out more online at pathtotheplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. 
Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl, and we are talking about trial preparation. And Tony, you were just telling our listeners how important it is, especially in Montgomery County, this is absolutely true, following, uh, to get the expert in. You look at that docket control order, and you note it, and you start looking the day, but not the day it's due, not a week before it's due. You mm-hmm. really need to look for an expert that re- legitimately going to help you, not just, i got to get an expert, or I'm going to have a throwdown. And you can't put an expert down unless you retain them, because I made the mistake once of talking to an expert for a DWI trial, it was right before the trial because my other expert couldn't show up. He was going out of town or something. Right. And I'd gotten a referral from a, a very well-known DWI attorney that I went yeah. to school with. And I thought it was great. And so I talked to this gal for a while and I put her down. Well, it ends up that she was uh, beside herself because I listed her as an expert Why? before I'd actually paid her retainer. And she was, a, uh, and and we the, the case ended up getting settled because the, um, the assistant district attorney, uh, didn't disclose that their star witness had some bad marks on his law enforcement record, some really bad ones. And I found that out the day before trial because I was like, I don't even know where we're going with this. And that's why you just never give up. I was like, this trial, I remember thinking, we're just going to lose this. There's there's no way I can win nine counts against this kid. And he was a good kid. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. He's going to be deported because he'd been here since he was one. He was doc. He had three jobs, hard worker, going to school. Just loved this kid. He was like a little bookworm, real smart. And um, he got stopped going, um, I think it was 25 miles an hour in a 15-mile-an-hour zone <laughs> through a park at 2 in the morning in, um, uh, I want to say it's not New Caney. It's, it's got columns, though. I can't remember the place it's over there. I remember going down to the precinct over there in Montgomery County. But anyway, um, I thought, we're going to lose this case because one thing led to another, and he had a bunch of charges against him. They just kept lumping him on because he got out of the police car because he, it, even though he, he was kind of, slithery he was real skinny he used his he, he moved his arms behind him and opened the police car door which wasn't locked because he wasn't a criminal and the guy knew it it's two in the morning he wasn't speeding but that's what they stopped him for they followed him to his house and so he was so afraid of his mother-in-law he lived with that he got out of the car and hid in the ditch so they got him for escape but no. they made it they made it sound like um he had busted the window out no he was just like this little skinny shivering in his shoes little nerd no. and um he wasn't drunk but they got him on all these charges and they got worse and worse because he was just he was more afraid of his mother-in-law and the police, which is kind of funny. But um, ends up that the police officer had so many marks against him that I didn't know about it. And I found it in the federal courts that um, I said, I was like, by the way, you know, like four in the morning, my usual, at the, right before trial, I'm like just praying, which I think is the best pro- trial preparation. Yes, I You're do too. praying mm-hmm. right before trial. Please give me some insight because I don't know these things. And not, you know, there's something I don't know that I need to know. Please give me some guidance. Mm-hmm. Samuel. And so... um uh, we found, I found that in the federal courts, and I just let them know. I said, I've got certified copies from the federal court of all these things that you didn't tell me, and I'm just letting you know. And I'm telling you what, uh, within two hours, everything got dismissed. Everything got, but one one um, traffic ticket, and I went and I took care of that. I got it on deferred. But um, that was like, but this was the same case where I had listed an expert that I hadn't paid her the money, but I thought she was retained, but she didn't know me. It was all on the phone. And um, she was mad because she knew the D. She knew the assistant DA, and so they were better friends than we were friends. And she's like, "He's like, you've listed her, right?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, because I talked to her." And then, and then I thought, "Okay, never again until I have a written agreement with retainer." And so, but it wasn't that I waited; it was that the one that I had couldn't show up, and I knew I needed this expert for the DWI to talk about um, extrapolation to blood and that kind of thing. Right. And so, anyway, um, expert the the way the the docket control order works in Montgomery County is that. One of the first things you've got to look at is your pleading deadline. Uh, amendments and supplements to pleading must be filed within 150 days of your, your trial date. And you can ask for a continuance. You can ask for a new docket control order. But if you need to, um, I guess, bring somebody else in or supplement your pleas because maybe you didn't plead it right, um, they, can get, they can knock you out pretty quick with a motion to dismiss for insufficient pleadings, uh, saying that you haven't stated a cause of action, and then get the attorney's fees charged against you on top of it and if they file that within 60 days of the pleading they're going to win and you're like panicking because when you first file a suit you don't have any discovery mm-hmm. and the same thing goes with um uh, texas citizens participation act if they file a motion to dismiss within 60 days of the pleading being filed and then they've they're i don't know friends with the judge maybe or uh, they haven't you haven't researched it well enough or something came up they they get it dismissed and you're gonna your side is going to pay the attorney's fees and it gets dismissed and you have a legitimate case i mean that happened to us pure pure defamation against a doctor true clear pure uh, unadulterated undisputed defamation and then 
uh, the judge decided, well, you know, if it was against a doctor, it's a public information. And so I'm going to dismiss this case. It's like, what? The law is now that you can defame doctors uh, with with nothing more than they're a doctor? Yeah. That's completely unfair. And so yeah. um, we ended up settling that case, but that would have been a great case to take to the Texas Supreme Court or the United States Supreme Court because um, that's not the way it should be. You can't go around defaming no. professionals like yeah. that. Yeah. That's their livelihood. Anyway, mm-hmm. expert witness designation is 150 days before that trial date. Discovery responses have to be complete no later than 90 days before trial. That's... And if you're not watching that, that 90 days comes up really quick. And um, we're talking about um, uh, depositions. All depositions must be completed, read, and signed. All depositions. So somebody's saying, well, it's right before trial, I want to depose you. You have a good argument that they can't if they've missed this deadline. Um, Expert challenges. Now, you've got your expert in on time, but now they can challenge your expert. And Mm -hmm. you don't have have a standby. Mm -hmm. We don't like that expert because they're friends with them. I got an expert challenge because I didn't say enough about what they were going to say. How was I going to know what they were going to say? I didn't have a medical opinion. I knew they were experts. They've been doing what they were doing for 40 years. Okay, 30. But they didn't win that challenge, did they? um, They won the challenge because... Um, I didn't get the expert designation in. I got it in a day late. That's how they won the challenge. And then they didn't object to it in time, and so I should have won the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then the judge let it slide. And so that was wrong. So that's a reversible error. So that may yeah. be one of our errors, um, which we're going to talk about next show. Mm-hmm. Preservation of error may be the most important topic we ever talk about on the show. It is that critical. Because you're thinking everything's going fine, and then things go wrong in trial. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't preserved your error, and it can happen at any any stage in the trial we're talking right. from from the pleading to if we didn't you weren't even in the right jurisdiction you should have uh, filed a, 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 a special I mean, special exceptions that the pleadings weren't right or pleaded the jurisdiction before you answer but and you did and the judge ruled against it there's all these different preservations of error all the way down the pike you may not want to mandamus the judge at that point but mandamus is something where you go to the appellate court while you're in trial before you have a final judgment and ask the appellate court this judge has made a bad ruling, and this is why. You need to make that judge do the right thing. So you're asking the appellate court judge to mandate, to demand that the, the trial court judge give you a fair ruling. Mm-hmm. But you don't see them very often, but they move pretty fast, mainly because you don't want to make your trial court judge mad because right. you're stuck with them. Sure. And then they talk with the other judges, and then your name is mud if you did it wrong. So you mm-hmm. really want to be careful when you file mandamuses. Um Summary judgments are, have to be in at least 30 days before trial. And I can't tell you how many times that a summary judgment has been filed about 60 days before trial because you have to have a men within 21 days so they can be a response, and then you have 30 days before trial. But about 60 days before trial, all of these no-evidence summary judgments start hitting the courts. And it's kind of a really good procedure because you get to see the other side's theory. If you haven't done enough discovery or they've not responded to you properly because they're not being fair and you haven't gotten your motion to compel ruled on property, like for bank records or what have you, if you follow no evidence summary judgment, then you get to see their argument because they're going to have to come up with some evidence. So I kind of like those. But usually at the last minute, it's not the right thing, but it, and it adds to everybody's um, stress, stress level, level everybody's. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they're good to, if you have the time and the wherewithal to put on your calendar to put one of these things forward and you're following it, good thing to do. Uh, motions for continuance have to be in at least 15 days before trial because the court doesn't like it when you have a jury trial or a bench trial and you've messed up their schedule and you're at the last minute going, oop, I'm not ready. It happens all the time. And I've seen so many judges and it aggravates me so much the day of trial. Oh, we need a continuance because, because, um, you know, the, this, uh, they're they're sick or on the other hand i've done that too where i really was sick and we couldn't go forward and they went forward without me anyway so it just depends on where the tr- the judge is on this but um but if you're completely ready and you've had a number of continuances and you're there with all your witnesses and the other side says oh i just got a new attorney we need a continuance or um new evidence um, you know um, my my client's in the hospital they've got, they've got to prove they're in the hospital but how hard is that to go to one of the emergency clinics and get stuck in the hospital mm-hmm. you know oh, i gotta check something out because they can't question you if it's mm-hmm. a health thing mm-hmm. but you really got to do it but uh but if you want to do it the right way and you know you've got a conflict with your schedule or um you've got a vacation planned any number of reasons may be a legitimate reason the best one to do is with agreement with the other side why let the judge decide for you mm-hmm. just See if you can get an agreement and then work it out because that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But those need to be in 15 days before trial. Now, there's they have real sticklers over here in Montgomery County for joint notice filing for um, it to 
alleviate the need for um, a pretrial conference. And basically what this is, is like in federal court, where in federal court you have to file a pretrial conference, you have to go to pretrial, pretrial conference to get your notice to find out what your docket control order is going to be. Mm-hmm. They don't do that in, in uh, Montgomery County. They just spit one of the docket control orders out. However, I will say this, in probate court, you, they do ask you in Harris County anyway, because I don't think they have a probate court that's uh, it's at standalone out here in Montgomery County. Um, you go to a pretrial conference to set your schedule, and they let you kind of look at what your the holidays or if you're doing something, and you can schedule it right then, which is really nice. Federal court's the same way. You have a pretrial conference on the scheduling. Um, here, they kind they do it. They do at least one. Um, joint notice scheduling. And they do this in federal court, too, mm-hmm. where before you go to trial, you have to file a joint notice. It's a lot more elaborate in federal court, saying um, if you're ready for trial, the estimated time of trial, whether there's a need for a pretrial conference, and whether there are any special needs or accommodations for the case. Wheelchair, hearing. Is, and that, is that Montgomery County there that you're reading? Yes, and it's of? a very it's a standard control order. And it's actually on the docket control order. Um, in federal court, though, um, it's a little bit different, a lot more complex, which federal court does have different rules. Mm-hmm. Like when you answer, it's different. You have to do it like paragraph by paragraph, and it's just a little bit more formal. But in federal court, you have to actually have um, your pretrial uh, uh, notice has the pleadings and what your claims are and which ones have been settled and what your arguments are. It is like a full-blown 16-page, here are my witnesses, here are my exhibits, the whole thing. Federal court's really, really tight with regard to your exhibits. It's easy because you don't have to get them in. You don't even exchange them until three days before trial. But you got to have it perfect. you got to have them in binders, three rings, stamped, opened up. They have to lay flat. And, and you can avoid that if you get to the other side a, a disk drive and to the court of all of your exhibits listed and exchanged at least and they've got a, a table but at least three days before the trial of the hearing and that's and they follow that to the t the good thing is at least in the federal trials that i've been in the judge pulls all your exhibits up for you you never have to approach it is so cool and all of your equipment always works perfectly in federal court mm-hmm. you never have any problems with it mm-hmm. whereas the state courts i've been in a lot of times it's like oh well it's not working yeah I couldn't believe it. It was mm-hmm. like, what? We've got these brand new courts and none of your stuff is working. You can't like press the little screen and stuff. No, so um, so anyway, the uh, pre- the joint filing notice says whether or not you need a, a pretrial conference, which really cleans up um, the courts and it saves a lot of attorney's fees if you do this because your attorney doesn't have to go to court or as an attorney, you don't have to go to court and sit around for three hours until they call your name on the docket just as five minutes for you to say in, in two seconds ready for trial okay mm-hmm. so these are kind of nice and it's something new that i hadn't seen before but um but and I've, i i don't use them if i've got a really um uh, disputed highly contested case um i don't like to to avoid the pre-trial conference i want to go because i want to see i want to get everything exchanged right there i don't want to avoid that because you have people that are playing games with you the other side if they're really nasty and they're and they're just being awful. You don't want to avoid, you want to say, I want to be there. Do your pretrial notice. That's required or your case will be dismissed. Um, but you also want to be there in person so you can actually talk to the judge. And that's been really, really helpful for me when just recently I had um, a trial set and I was first on the docket in Harris County and I had a trial set in Montgomery County and I was first on the docket. And then I had to go to both pretrial conferences to let both judges know I'm, I've got two different counties and and where am I supposed to go with this? And right. so the judges actually talked with each other. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, it ended up going like I wanted it to, not that I had any choice in the matter, but um, because I had, my older case was in Harris County, so that one went first, and then the one in Montgomery County got moved out. And uh, But 14 days before trial, pretrial materials. This is what we were going to talk about today, preparing for trial. And it is, um, uh, and we have two minutes to our break or two minutes altogether? To our break. Okay. Mm. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, pre-trial materials. I can get that out in two minutes. Um, these are the things that you've been preparing for it all along, and you've got everything very organized, and you've got your binders going. And as everything is so digital now, and I learned this last night, do not rely upon your uh, your digital record for your trial because you'll have some sneaky little Harvard graduate like I have in this trial I'm doing right now who starts sending things 
only through certified mail. And you wonder, you're like, I wonder why they're sending it both ways. Why are they sending it certified mail to my office? It's so weird. Why don't they just send it through service through the um, the e-filing because then they have documentation of it. They don't do that because they know if you've gotten accustomed to making sure all your documents are in line by going to your digital files because everything's paperless, you can't find the ones they served you with. And I had all these responses to requests for protection where they gave me nothing. They, they objected to everything improperly. And so I have to do a motion to compel. But I couldn't find the, um, that's what this is. I couldn't find the responses because they gave them to me paper. And I was so accustomed to having everything digital, I couldn't oh, find gosh. them. So, and I remember, because I'm pretty organized, where I had that. It was in a file, but it wasn't in the... It wasn't in the uh, in any of my digital like I had expected. And so what I should have done was scan it immediately, which I did to give it to my client. But I didn't save it where I normally save it. And mm-hmm. so I saved it this time in a different place. All right. So um, your pretrial materials are going to ex- include an exhibit list, a witness list, deposition experts, motions in limine, jury charge, and findings of fact conclusions of law if you had anything that was outside the jury. That sounds like a lot. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from okay. our break. All but right. it's very, very important that this all be ultra ultra uber organized okay we're going to take a quick break tony and i are here today talking about trial procedure and we'll be right back a lone star community radio is montgomery county's radio station with talk music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Did you know that there are over 153 million orphans in the world today? The sad reality is 99% of those kids will likely never be adopted. CoreLove is an organization right here in Conroe that takes care of orphan children in Haiti, Honduras, and India. We bring the love of Jesus by providing their six basic needs of clean water, proper food, health care, education, job skills, and a loving home. Visit CoreLove.org, that's C-O-R-E-L-U-V.org. Will you help defend the orphan? Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio, broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Texas Joe Bailey here, spokesman for Love Your Veterans. It's our mission to shine light on our forgotten heroes, and you too can show your support by joining us at the Love Your Veterans Montgomery County Christmas Market, December 5th and 6th at Bull Solace Park. Activities for the kids such as photos with Santa and the Grinch, a marketplace to find amazing Christmas gifts, and it's all for a great cause. Learn more at loveyourveterans.org. Vendor registration is currently open. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about trial preparation. And Tony, you were just going down that uh, docket control order, which is just, it's a schedule of when specific things are due for your case as you proceed to trial. Yes, and there's, um, and you know, I was what we were talking about on the break was, um, Montgomery County um, has really honed their um, docket control orders down to a really nice two-page science. Um, some of the older ones I had from Montgomery County from years ago, and a lot of the ones from Harris County. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't even get docket control orders. You just they give you a trial date, and then that's what you worked with. And what gets a little bit confusing also is when you get a continuance granted. Does it start over your docket control order dates because it's so many dates back from the trial? And I think at least what I do is I request that a new docket control order be generated because I don't want to leave that to chance because it's just one more argument that you're arguing about. And 
you know, if you got a pretty decent attorney who's going to argue, you, you know, you on every point, and that's what attorneys are paid to do. And it shouldn't be that way. A lot of times it, you should work and play well with others mm-hmm. because you can have a dispute, but a lot of times it's better to settle the dispute mm-hmm. because it's going to save everybody money. Mm-hmm. And but, but a lot of times also you have attorneys that just want to make money and they don't want to settle a dispute. Mm-hmm. Like this case I have right now in Harris County that I'm thinking about that's driving me bats because they don't really care about the right way it should be settled. These other attorneys, and there's four or five of them on the other side, are only interested in bleeding the estate dry. They want all the money that's left in that estate that they can get out of their client. And they keep telling me, well, you're going to get the money anyway. Why do you care? The estate's going to pay you. You're representing the estate. I'm like, that's not the point. I'd like my clients to have a little bit of money left over to work with, and it doesn't all go into the, the attorney's pockets. Mm-hmm. But they just keep filing pleadings and convincing their, their client that we need to keep fighting. And we don't need to keep lying. They have lost. They have flat out lost on every angle. But they keep going forward. Now, there's a point where... You really haven't lost. And the other side will try to convince you that you have what you're going to lose. No. You know that from a constitutional standpoint or or from a legal standpoint that you are going to win. It's just a lot of people telling you that they're just trying to poo-poo you away from it and don't want you to go forward with it because they just want to have a little bit more peace. Sometimes you have to fight. And those are the cases that will be your legacy. Those are the ones that after you die, your name will be like Roe versus Wade, I guess. Or those are the cases like... um, yeah, the, what is, you have to do the um, when, when you get with the stop, the traffic stop. What is the name of that case? You get the Miranda warnings. Miranda oh, right. only came about because somebody said, I'm going to go to the Supreme Court with this because you don't have the right to not tell me what my rights are. I'm not an attorney and I'm not a law enforcement. Right. And it's a that that's a uh, I get all of my uh, my criminal clients these days will say, well, we weren't read our Miranda rights or they weren't read in Spanish or whatever. And the truth of the matter is most of the time the, the judges will listen to that, but they don't find it to be reversible error because something has happened down the pike that's made it so that right. it isn't something that they're going to reverse it on. Happened anyway. But if they didn't give it to you, it's still a constitutional right and you should be read that. And your constitutional mm-hmm. rights are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Just like right now it's going on with the impeachment thing. Constitutional rights are being breached right and left. And that brings up something I was going to say before I get into preservation of error. We went to um, Atlanta this weekend Mm -hmm. um, to go to the University of Georgia game. Um, And even though they're number four and A&M's not ranked right now, we had very high hopes of beating them. We beat LSU last year in seven overtimes. In fact, we're getting ready to play them this weekend. And it's kind of scary because they want revenge because we beat them last year. Mm -hmm. And now they're number one. Mm -hmm. But I am from Baton Rouge, and so I think they might be a little lenient knowing that I'm going to visit, right? Mm. Um, But we went down there, and we were watching the game from the nosebleed seats with all the other Aggies that had tickets up there. And we were just thinking the play calling was really bad, and we were getting tired of them handing off to Spiller on three and one. And, you know, what's going up with the offensive coordinator, the whole bit? And um, ends up that we were playing, uh, our defense was playing amazing. And that the officials were not calling the plays right. I mean, they weren't calling the um, the errors, for lack of a better way to put it. There were... Um, they were uh, holding. We are. They were interfering with our receiver, and we couldn't see that from the nosebleed. When we rewatched and we got home, we would have won that game. There is no doubt in my mind if they had called, and the, the referees would be sitting there watching it. If they had called, um, thrown a flag, and called the error when they saw it properly, we would have won that game. There's no question in my mind. It was that the officiating was that bad, and we determined that the officials, and they can't say this to get in trouble, but I can say it. The officials really needed Georgia to win in the SEC because they would have lost rank to be in the playoffs if A&M had beat them because they would be in one game down. Mm. So we knew that there was an agenda without any doubt. And that goes toward, how did, what is the analogy to case law, to, to court? Many times you've got, and the, the court has an agenda. You, you can see that you should win. There should be a flag thrown. You object properly. And the judge overrules your objection. It's like, why is my objection being overruled? This is clear hearsay or this is clearly error, wherever it may be. Right. And the judge is not giving you the right. So you have to preserve error. That's what you do in football. Well, a lot of times they do the replay and they review it again and you still won't win. But a lot of calls you can't get, uh, you can't you can't preserve error because you can't do a replay on it. Like I think holding is one of them and that was going on all over in this game. It was just awful. There was one, there was forward movement where they the, the ball was punched out of our guy's hands and the, the, the play was over. And then after the ball got punched out of their hands, they, they went and they grabbed it and they said it was a fumble. It was not a fumble. It was over. That was clear error. And that's when, like in court, you get to go to the appellate court. 
if they had that in football, we would say, I want that game to be reviewed, and I would like all of these plays that we preserved error on Mm -hmm. to go to a higher authority, Mm -hmm. and we're going to see who really won the game. That would be beautiful. Mm -hmm. There'd be a lot less angst. And then we wouldn't have people like Miles Garrett having to get their helmet off and sling at a quarterback who had just abused him. I know you probably did. You read about that at oh, all? Oh, I saw it. Did you see what they did with um, with Cleveland right outside the game last weekend? The people had a pinata with the player that his the, the quarterback that was acting like a sissy, mm-hmm. and they were had a helmet and they were playing a, with a pinata. It was so funny. Anyway, got the good one. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, preservation of error, and then we're going to get back to trial preparation is so important because if you don't preserve error, you have nothing to. Um, to go to the appellate court with. It's like in football, where if you haven't said, uh, time out, I want to this play to be reviewed, then you haven't preserved error. Because by the time they start the next play, then you then it's gone. You don't have that error. Mm-hmm. You haven't preserved it. Mm-hmm. And you can preserve error in trial court throughout the very beginning, and you have to do it. And there, uh, we're going to go over this in a different case, but just briefly. Um, in the midst of trial, I'm just going to read this because they say it better than I do. Preservation of error may often feel like a distraction, like oh, you're objecting, quit objecting so much. Yet the moment the jury announces its verdict, the one side walks away unhappy and wondering what to do next. The question of whether error was preserved suddenly becomes everything. Mm-hmm. This article, and I'm reading the articles, we're going to go over this and I'm going to pinpoint stuff when we outline it. Um, it's designed to, as a simple guide to for error preservation that can be included in a trial notebook. Um, it includes step-by-step list, and we're going to talk about this next week, um, list and tips for avoiding error preservation traps. And um, it starts in pretrial with motions and limine. It's in during trial. And I'm just going to say that while you're in trial, you've got motion pretrial, motions and limine. You want to make sure you get all that. Motions to exclude evidence. Make sure that's done beforehand so you can get that all taken care of. You can win or lose with your motions and limine. And that happened in this last case that we did where... Um, the motion in limine doesn't say you can't bring it up. The motion in limine shows that you have to approach the bench. And you, they object. Motion in limine was granted. You can't talk about that. But you have to approach the bench. You have to tell the, the, the judge the legal reason why it should be admitted. She's still going to rule against you. She's already ruled against you before, more right. than likely. Or she could change her mind. Or she, he or she. And, um, and then you need to make an offer of proof of that evidence so the appellate court can see what should have been in that didn't come in. That goes for experts and everything else. You get that offer proof in and you get it in there before the jury starts deliberating. If you don't get your offer proof in, your, your evidence in, just by getting it in there somehow, some way, you're not going to get it in. You have not preserved error on that. And it's re- That goes with attorney's fees, too. You've got to get it in before the jury starts deliberating. It's just a crazy thing. You can get attorney's fees on a bench trial if it's not um, a contested issue. Mm-hmm. But why why go to that risk? Just get it in before the jury starts delivering. Before before, before the jury charge, just get it in. Mm-hmm. Um, during trial, during voir dire, your experts, you can object to that. Your um, uh, the, your pleadings, uh, a dire- you want to ask for a directed verdict in the jury charge, improper jury argument, and post- post-trial preservation when you ask for a motion notwithstanding the verdict. All of these things are preservation of error. If you don't get them in the record, you can actually get preservation of error in after the trial in a motion for a new trial by presenting new evidence that's come up. There's a lot of things to do, but we need to talk about that because without preservation of error and being cognizant of that, even if you're pro se, the best rule of thumb I can give you is don't be afraid. If you're on your own, and, and my clients do this to me all the time, I get the elbow. They can see something is being said that's a lie, and I don't even know it's a lie, and they're freaking out. And I, all I do is I stand up and object. Objection! And I have no idea what I'm objecting to. Mm-hmm. But if you let something go by in the midst of trial, and you're like, because they tell you all these little guidelines, just remember this, and just let, here's all the procedures. No. If you let some error go by, then you've now waived your error. Yeah. If somebody starts talking about something, and now it's being tried by consent, because you're thinking, well, they get a chance to talk, and then you let them talk. Oh, no. You object immediately, because the minute that jury hears something they're not supposed to hear, or you let them hear something and it comes in, the judge is going to let it come in. So... Preservation of error, very, very important. Now, um, pre-trial materials. And this is just, uh, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left. How much time do we have, Dick? Four more minutes. Okay. Um, I can run through this. This is my my notebook, okay? Mm-hmm. If I don't have this and I get art, I get yelled at by, by juries after the fact a lot because it's just me doing my trials. I don't have an army of people putting stuff together for me. Yes. But, um, but you still have to know where all of your stuff is. So what I put in one notebook is... Um, and I tab it like this too. And I have usually two to three binders. I have a pre a section for pretrial. Pretrial includes your voir dire questions, your uh, jury data sheet, stuff that you're looking at, your seating chart if you have that in advance. I'm sorry. Um, 
I just jumped to another thing. I thought that doesn't look like that. Um, charges, your pleadings, your motions in limine, separate little section within that section, subsection. Pleadings, your trial brief. You put beforehand, you want to know exactly what you're arguing. Why not just get out what you're arguing right at the very beginning? Why save it for the last? Just take care of your case and get it over with. Like in the recent federal trial I had, the judge was like, what are you trying to say? Got right to it, got the evidence, you win. Mm-hmm. It was that quick. Mm-hmm. Why bother with all the, the fluff? Just get this thing over with. Pre-trial orders and bench questions, okay? Stuff you want to get out of the way. So you have a pre-trial section. You have a voir dire and jury info section. Your voir dire is all the questions that you want to put together before voir dire, before trial, that you're going to ask in voir dire to glean out your uh, jurors to get the exact juror that's going to be perfect for your case, someone that's exactly like your defendant. Um, sometimes you can do ahead of time, you can ask the judge if you can do a jury data sheet and pass it out in advance so they can answer questions. That's only for like murder trials and stuff. They usually don't let you do that unless it's a lot more of a complex case. Um, your opening statement is also going to be within your, um, they have it in a separate section. I have it in my, vo- I take that back. I have a separate section for opening statements because you've got to, I usually like to do it digitally and I like to do it on a, um, um, what's the, uh, the, the, not Excel, but the other program. Uh, PowerPoint. That, PowerPoint. I like to always do it on PowerPoint if you're nervous or you think you might lose track or there's a lot of issues. Do it in PowerPoint because you get a lot of stuff in there they would not let you get in. PowerPoint opening statements, PowerPoint closing arguments, if possible. Um, presentation schedule, witnesses. You want to have your witness list and all your witnesses below them in a subset with all the subpoenas, showing they were subpoenaed they don't show up, and the questions you're going to ask them, a, a list of questions so you can get to it quickly in case you have a um, an expedited action where you only have so much time to do your case. You want to get those questions out. Go over them with your witness. There's nothing wrong with, as long as you're not telling them the answers, there's nothing wrong with telling them I'm going to ask you this so that they're not caught off guard by your open questions. Yeah. You don't, you're not going to coach them because you can have them lie because that would be completely improper and you'd be disbarred for that. But you can say, these are the kind of things I'm going to ask you. And then then you know what your, your witness is going to say. You can be like, oh, I don't need to be asking you that. And you also have, your, have to have your direct questions ready for the other witnesses in advance. Um, you want to have all your exhibits very important labeled and in order and in a separate exhibit book they may match the other side's exhibits I don't care what if they don't enter their exhibits and you want to enter yours and what if theirs are a little bit different you have your own set of exhibits exchange them before trial and so I know that we have to kind of wind up here but mm-hmm. uh, closing statements jury charge post verdict all those are the things you have let it you have three different things in your binders go forward be prepared for trial have them ready in advance exchange your exhibits in advance and have them labeled and ready to go. All right. Usually in chronological order. That's the best way to do your trials. Yes, absolutely. Timelines. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be here next week from 12 to 1 p.m. on Tuesday, 104.5 and 106.1. You can uh, download us tomorrow, Google Play and iTunes. You can listen and you can also watch us on Facebook. And we want to remind you to serve God by serving others. Have a great week, guys.